the album of that, the actual record, the vinyl. It was the last present my grandmother ever bought for me. I asked for it. She asked, what would you like for your birthday? And that was what I asked for. So I must have been um, pretty swept away by Fergal Sharky at the time. Uh, um, and I've still got the album. I never played it. So it must have also come out just before CDs, or I never got round to playing it. Uh, you really didn't need to play it back when that song came out, because it was everywhere. Well, not just that song, but a whole lot of Fergal Sharky songs at the time. It was huge. You have these moments uh, where someone's huge. Now, I've got an idea for this episode, or a, a mini-series, a new mini-series, and... Bounces off an idea. Uh, that was by way of introduction, you know. Sometimes put a little bit of music at the start just to warm myself up. I'm on a drive to Greensboro or Bandura. Um, Bandura, I think. And yeah, a sales meeting with an old, old friend. Because we're all old, old now. <laughs> we used to be young, you know. We were the new firebrand on the block <laughs> and then I remember all the old people in my industry you know the crusty old you know they had grey hair and they had, re- they had creased faces and they were like, you know and we we're all the fresh kids <laughs> but now we're old which is pretty funny uh, that's all right. but, um, but, but now some of us well not me because I'm off to the side as a consultant but they've all all my friends have got titles like you know director <laughs> Uh, the person I'm meeting today is a director. Yeah. Um, director of this, or, you know, and, um, you yeah, director, well, well, an old friend is a director at the Box Hill Hospital, and this person is a director of a very large organisation, right? Now, um, so, off to meet her, and she's fantastic. Um, so, uh, this episode, yeah, I've got, I've got an idea for a mini-series. It's about 25 minutes to Bandura. Uh, so, um, and it bounces off an idea that I um, that I bounced off my GD the other day, um, where it, uh, you know, I, I was running with that argument, which may or may not be true, that just exposing yourself to certain things is a bad idea. We are not as uh, robust as we think. Yeah, I've got a, suspic- a suspicion that's true. Yeah, so one of my things, I got onto this very early. I'm famous for it <laughs> within my family. But yeah, from when I was a teenager, you know, normally I only I come up with my good ideas only after I turn 30 and then 40 and then 50, and you know, maybe I'll come up with one or two more good ideas before I die. At 60 and 70. Oh no, that'll be five more good ideas because I'm living to 110. Now, um, but very early on, I decided that I wasn't ever going to watch violence, however you want to define that. Yeah, horror, you know, extreme violence, all that sort of stuff in movies. I was just going to just completely not watch those things. So I've missed a lot of movies because of that. I've seen a couple. A couple have slipped through, and I can't remember why. And I managed to see them, and I can, I could reel them off the top of my head, counting them off you know, on one hand. Um, and one was Scarface, uh, and I actually liked it, which sounds sounds like I'm arguing against myself. But look, I liked Scarface. Uh, because, uh, you know, look, I, uh, I don't even know if I can be bothered explaining, but um, I got it, you know. Um, I, you know, it was, um, yeah, he was living the American dream. You know, it was this idea of someone coming in at all costs, you know, because that's why, the way America advertised itself. Come to America and live the American dream. And he did, and he did it to the full, and he ended up dying in a hail of bullets. You know, come here, my little friend. (laughs) Um, Whereas, uh, you know, some place like Australia, we don't promote ourselves just exactly like that, in the same way that America does. Um, We say, 
you know, we've got a much more um, sober invitation out there for the people we want to come. You know, not for the people we don't want to come. Don't want refugees and migrants and all that sort of stuff, unless you're skilled. Yeah, we're horrible. Um, actually, we used to have that approach. Um, yeah, before we before compassion was invented. Uh, we didn't want anyone unless they were going to be useful to us. You know, whereas these days, there's a big push that we should take in people if we can be useful for them. You know, like the JFK thing, you know. Ask not what, you know your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, you know, and, um, yeah, that's that old Roman virtue thing, you know, whatever, um, you know, Greek philotomo thing, or that Japanese, you know, jump in a Mitsubishi Zero and die for your country thing, you know, um, uh, the submerging of the self for the good of the community, Uh, community comes first, Uh, now, now the, the, uh, I will get to the idea of this little mini-series, but this little mini-series is a little bit about it, having a chat too. Yeah, I should be a taxi driver and just chat, 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 you know. Except I'm the perfect taxi driver because I'm the taxi driver that hasn't got a passenger, so I just chat to myself. Um, but I was reminded of that, um, I was reminded of that old virtuous thing where it's not about you, it's about your community or your country and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, um, and I, I do think we've had a shift. I don't. Think, I think we don't think that way. You know, more and more, we don't think that way as time goes on. You know, like uh, the way university courses are advertised. You know, um, pick the pick the pick the um, course of your dreams. You know, what can what do you want to be? You know, and all this sort of stuff. Where you know, back in ancient Rome, for example, I would have imagined. Well, maybe back in Australia, even. 50 years ago or 70 years ago uh, what does your country what course does your country need to do, you to do you know think about all those yeah look another way of putting that which courses have the jobs at the end of the, them yeah and yeah make a list of those and then pick one of those the one you like best so it's a little bit about you too you know obviously match your talents and skills in fact if you're good at something, um, but you prefer to do something else, you should do you should do that first thing. Maybe you know. Look, it's this submerging of the self. It's not about you, you know. And um, I was reminded of this general idea uh, in a headline I saw today, and this will hint at what this miniseries is going to be about in a minute. Um, um, I saw a headline. And I did have sympathy for the students. New South Wales students from the Blue Mountains um, gutted at having to cancel a trip to Italy in the shadow of coronavirus, you know. Um, So, look what seems to have happened. Um, And I read, you know, I, I clicked into it and just read the first paragraph. Okay, so they had a trip planned to Pompeii and Rome. And obviously, yeah, look, I think it's fair to assume that it was all booked before coronavirus hit. And, um, and the students are from the Blue Mountains. Yeah. Now, uh, they're gutted. Now, there's, a, there's an opportunity there... Yeah, because they're gutted. Why are they gutted? Yeah, because they're thinking about what they themselves are missing. You know, not what they are offering to anyone else, but what they are missing for themselves. Now, I've got no problem with that. You know, I'm just making a um, a point. Yes, let them be gutted off. I'd be gutted too. I'd be gutted too. There's nothing wrong with being gutted. Ask any fish. <laughs> um, but um. Um, you know, just to illustrate a point, and that's all, just to illustrate a point, there is an opportunity there, you know, to say, kids, yes, we understand you're gutted. You know, if you're the teacher, you know, the teacher, whoever the teacher is, I would guess, um, has an appreciation for the classical world. Otherwise, why would they book a trip to Pompeii and Rome 
Now that seems pretty targeted. Um, so now if that teacher is very is properly um, yeah, entranced by Rome, there's actually actually an opportunity there to get the kids to see that from a different perspective. Look, you would say, listen, be gutted, kids. Especially if there's no refunds on the plane flights. Yeah. Now, that's an interesting thing, too. It's a dangerous digressing like this because sometimes I never find my way back. Um, that's an interesting thing, too. Uh, insurance policies, uh, do they cover uh, things like coronavirus? Um, and now, I think I've heard that um, that... If, for example, the government declares a, um, an, an emergency of some sort, a biosecurity emergency, for example, in the current case, then um, then all bets are off for the insurance companies. You know, if it's a mega disaster, um, but it is hinged. I think you know. I'd have to ask someone who's in insurance. I've got a niece in insurance. It is hinged, I think, on whether it has been declared as, a, you know, a pan, you know, a disaster, a pandemic, you know, something like that, a national emergency, whatever. Uh, and if the government does declare something as that, then that triggers a whole lot of things. And one of those, I think, is that it's a get-out-of-jail-free card, and I could be wrong on this, for insurance companies, you know, it's a national disaster, you know. We don't have to pay out on national disasters, you know, okay, but national emergencies or pandemics and things like that. You know, if it's a pandemic, you know, and, um, and then you'd wonder, oh, well, that's something that um, a government would be mindful of when declaring a pandemic. If I'm right on that, and I'm sure I'm right one way or another, if not in that example, in another example, you know, that a pandemic, that declaring a pandemic, for example, would immediately trigger um, losses for some people in the community, you know, would actually have an impact on people. Um, it has an impact on our rights, for example, whenever an emergency is, um, is declared, uh, we give up some of our hard-won hard rights. Yeah, because people often say, oh, we have rights, you know. But they don't often sort of think, or I, I don't think we twig, that those rights are contingent, you know. Like, if you buy a house and a piece of land, you know, that's yours, you know. But how much is it yours, you know? In an emergency, the government can come and just take it. Just take it, even if you own it. Depends how big the emergency is, you know. Or your right to, you know, freedom of movement, you know. The government can just put police outside your house and not allow you, and allow, and force you to stay in there, you know, in, a, in an emergency, in a sort of vi coronavirus style, I'm supposed to say COVID-19 now, but I just can't, you know, coronavirus is too catchy. And, um, and, and, and the interesting thing is that, um, our government has, I think, it's, it's hard to tell if they have or not, the wording was tricky. Um, we have declared, our government has declared that we are effectively in a pandemic. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, a little bit like, a bit like being half pregnant, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I can imagine um, they've, they've, they've creating some wriggle room there for the insurance companies and the insurance policy holders. <laughs> but, you know, to, you know they, they could bring them, the lawyers might be rubbing, the lawyers love it when governments do things like that. You know, we had, the, we had that during the um, 19, I think, 88 um, pyramid crash. You know, there was a bit of a, a global financial crisis even way back in 1988, you know. And, um, and, we had a, um, a treasurer or something, Jolly, you know, here in Victoria, just a local treasurer, you know, just our state premier, uh, not the national treasurer. Uh, who, would have, who would that have been? That might have been Paul Keating back there, might it? Might have been? Might it have been? 
when the pyramid collapsed and all that sort of stuff? Or had he already, you know, won the sweetest victory of all by then? <laughs> but I, look, I think it was um, Paul Keating would, would have been treasurer. And maybe, yeah, I think, I think he knocked off Bob Hawke at about late 80s. And, um, and I think the sweetest victory of all might have been about 1993. Uh, there, was a, there was a show that uh, my uh, brother-in-law, Paul, and I went to. Um, Paul Keating, the musical. It was fantastic. Uh, Paul Keating was hilarious. They don't make Prime Ministers like Paul Keating and Bob Hawke anymore. They're all beige and careful now. But those guys were fantastic. Um, anyway, when you declare a pandemic, yes. When you have to declare a pandemic, well, uh, you know, well, if you fully declare one, um, the insurance companies would be rubbing their hands with glee, would they not? If you, if you refused to declare one, the insurance policy holders uh, would be rubbing their hands with glee because, you know, all those students in the Blue Mountains could get their money back you know, because they couldn't get to Pompeii and Rome, you know. Through some reason, you know, they had to cancel, but it wasn't a pandemic, you know. It was just a, a school policy saying that we don't want to put our children at risk, and that was fair, and, you know. And, and, but if, um, if a government goes the half-pregnancy option, and says, effectively, we have a pandemic. It's the lawyers that would rub their hands with glee. Would, that would be the case, would it not? <laughs> okay, so, yes. So these students, um, yeah, but, well, who cares about their hip pockets? They're rich. How could you be gutted? You know what you should be gutted at, kids? You should be gutted if you were a poor kid from a poor country in a developing nation, you know, when you know it's not even developing. It's just crap all the time. Every Yeah, all the Western countries call these poorest countries in the world developing nations, and you look around and say, it's been crap for the last 500 years and it's still crap. I can't see that development. You, know, you, call me, you can call me anything you want. I just live in crap, crapsville. Yeah. And, and you're gutted because, you know, you missed a plane flight to Pompeii and Rome. Yeah, where you're going to just... Um, yeah, you were going to play. Now, who was that that visited Pompeii? Um, the, uh, now there was the elder Pliny. Now I can't remember whether it was Pliny the elder or Pliny the younger. I will guess it was Pliny the elder. Um, and uh, one of the Plinies, and that was Pompeii. It was actually this is actually you know look if I was the teacher. I would say, ah, all right, we're stuck here in the Blue Mountains. I'll tell you something about Pompeii, since we can't go to visit the Pompeii. Um, now, Pompeii, uh, Vesuvius, was erupting. Mm. This is at the moment, in, you know, when it was happening, it was erupting. And uh, one of the Plinies, and I think it was uh, the Elder, um, commissioned a boat to go and inspect it. A little bit like a journalist would. He was, sci he was science minded, whichever Pliny it was. He might have been Pliny the Elder because Pliny the Younger went on to do great things. And you can't do many great things when you have been reduced to ash. <laughs> um, when you have been suffocated. Anyway, um, so he went across there and um, on the boat and headed towards Vesuvius, you know, headed to, in the direction of the volcano when it was blowing uh, because he wanted a closer look and that was the end of him. <laughs> it blew! Yeah. Um, these volcanoes can blow quite explosively. We had one in New Zealand recently. Mm. We had one in New, New Zealand recently, were very similar. It was almost an identical situation now that I think about it. You know, because Pliny, you know, went off to, um, you know, if he could have, you know, uh, when you're a scientist, you're a scientist, he would have gone to the rim of the volcano, perhaps, to watch, you know, all, to watch um, the smoke, you know, up close. And then it would have blown him, blown him to smithereens, you know. They would never have found the body. Well, actually, they, I'm pretty sure they never did find, in fact, I'm pretty certain, they never found the body of Pliny the Elder or Pliny the Younger. Okay. Um, but, you know, those guys, you might say, what an idiot. But it's those sorts of guys that are, you know, they're the get-up-and-go guys in the world. Half the time, 
they do survive, and then we call them great. You know, because they come back with wonderful accounts, and, you know, and they write it all down, and, and we laud them, you know, loud them, you know, as you wish. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah, Napoleon going off, um, you know, for example, to attack the Russians in winter, you know. And Napoleon had already pulled off a string of miracles before he did, a string of you know, strategic miracles uh, that couldn't be done, and he did them. He'd done them. And it's very easy to say that people like Napoleon, you know, marching off to Moscow, or Moscow, the Americans call it. Uh, I don't know what the Muscovites call it. Is it Muscovites? Is that a duck? Anyway, um, Pliny Pliny the whatever, Pliny the one of them, or Napoleon marching off to Moscow, Pliny going off to, marching off to, yeah, um, rowing off to Vesuvius. Um, you, you sort of think, one idiot, you know. Like, I've heard that. I've heard people say, ha, ha, you know, Napoleon, what an idiot. Yeah, Hitler, what an idiot, attacking the, yeah, attacking the uh, Russians in winter. I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, you hear people saying that. But then again, that's why you're not great. You're not great. You know, you're just sitting in your lounge room, scoffing, safe, you know, but your name is not going to ring through the ages. Yeah. Like Napoleon's has. Or like the Pliny's have. And the little um, uh, apostrophe is after the... Is it nine years? This is why you're not great. Look, it's okay. Yes, you're not stupid, but you're not great either. Yeah, and that's the way it goes. Alright, so, anyway... Um, and, you know, and... and Napoleon had already pulled off a string of miracles. Um, and what's his name? Steve Irwin probably shouldn't have ridden on the back of a stingray. But, you know, that was stupid. But then again, he'd taken risks before. You know. These are the people that are out there doing something. They're not sitting in their lounge room. I'm not saying he wasn't stupid, Steve Irwin. I'm not saying he wasn't stupid, Pliny. It, 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 it looks like that in retrospect. But if he had to come back with a wonderful account, he's a beautiful writer, apparently, um, his name would have been ringing even more through the ages than it even has. And it has a lot anyway. You know, that sort of thing. And if Napoleon had have pulled off the Bosco trip, man, he's already super, you know, he's already right up there with the top five. Who would be the top five? You know, Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great. You know, he's named amongst those guys. Julius Caesar. Um, who else? You know, those sorts of guys. Um, Napoleon. Yeah. It's only four, isn't it? I should sit here and think of another one. Who have I, who have I said? Julius Caesar, Alexander, Genghis Khan, Napoleon, Hannibal. Because he's my favourite. Um, okay. Now, I'm at my destination, so I'll probably put a stop to this episode. But what I was going to talk about is those children in the Blue Mountains. There's an opportunity there to say, yes, you're gutted because you missed out on something, you know, because your trip has been cancelled. Um, but would you like to, instead of going to see Rome and Pompeii, would you like to feel, you know, Rome you know, the super teacher would probably take that approach. Would you like to kind of... Would you like to go to Rome and Pompeii in a, in a, in a more spiritual way? You know, you could say, you could say. <laughs> this would not go over with the kids, but you could try. And you could say, listen... Um, the way the Romans operated in their minds... You know, a little bit like... Um, and they got some of these ideas from the Greeks. No, they got this idea of virtue from their own past, the Romans. They borrowed a lot from the Greeks, the Rome did. Uh, Rome did. Um, I saw a funny, um, I saw a funny picture that my daughter sent to me. See, it was a meme, and sometimes memes can be very funny. I'm not on social media, so I miss them all, but I rely on people like my daughter and my GD and my wife to send me the occasional meme, but it's good because I don't have to look at a thousand memes to find the good ones. You know, they, they send me the good ones, and 
Um, and I, uh, a little bit like when you're a minister in the government, you know, back in the old days, um, someone would cut out all the best articles in the paper and put it together in a little bit of a scrapbook for you and you, you could just read, you know, you didn't have to sort of um, filter through the crap, you know, they just gave you the the highlights. You know, I get the highlights like that. But anyway, um, uh, so um, it was a meme and it had a cat on the meme and a kid had this cat and, the, and was holding the cat down on a piece of paper of all things. On, on, on a table and the cat um, had on it, written on it Greek mythology, so the cat represented Greek mythology and the kid had a crayon <laughs> and the kid um, traced the outline of the cat you know and um, and then let the cat go um, and and the cat, yeah, obviously ran away. And all you had was the outline of the cat. And then the kid wrote inside the outline of the cat, Roman mythology. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, in a lot of cases, Rome was like that. It, it borrowed what it needed from Greece. The mythologies and a lot of other things, too, too many things to mention. Um, you know, the idea of philosophy. You know. But um, a heap of other things, philosophy, you know, you name it, right? But that's okay. I see that as part of the genius of Rome that they were willing to borrow things. You know, there are cultures in the world that um, don't step outside their own cultures. I got interrupted there by a phone call incoming. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of cultures um, who. Don't step outside their own cultures, is what I was saying. And uh, and don't get the benefit of those other cultures, you know. Um, and, and, they, and they look at other cultures like Rome or, you know, <laughs> ourselves, the English, you know. The, you, know um, you know, we're the English, yeah. Um, as Australians. Uh, you know, our language, English language. You know, we borrow, borrow, borrow from other languages. And other people say, oh, our language is very pure. You know, you say, well, you know. If something, someone else has got something in their language for which you have no equivalent in your language, then you're giving yourself a, a lobotomy in advance by not grabbing that word. You bring it in, you know. And they say, yeah, but it's not your culture. You know, that, that, lang that word is not part of your culture, so you shouldn't have it. And, you know, and, and to that you can say, our culture is to steal stuff. That is our culture. Yeah, but it's not your culture. You're taking things that are not your culture. Our culture is theft. You know, clever theft. Yeah. That's our culture. That's not culture, is it? Yeah, it is. What? Thieving? Yes. Mm, of course. You know, of course. Anyway, so um, I was talking about Rome taking things from Greece. Ah, but I, I was talking about Rome having its own things anyway. You know, the, you know, there were things about Rome that come from its Stone Age kind of background, I'm sure, uh, that were very Roman, uh, and, um, you know, some of those things were, like, their talent for engineering, um, and their love of power was another one, and uh, this idea of rustic sort of virtue, not the fineries that the Greeks tended to get into. It's almost Spartan. You know, the Romans were almost like Spartans. Maybe they're related to those guys, you know. But, yeah, who's related to whom is all lost in the mists of time. You know, it becomes mythology then as to where you come from. And the Romans did see themselves as descended from, you know, something up in the Dardanelles, you know, Troy and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, Spartans came down from there too, apparently, you know. But, you know, it doesn't matter. It's who you identify with, you know, in, your, in, in the Stone Age period becomes you, you know. Uh, you can decide these things to a certain extent. All right. Anyway, but, you know, Rome had this idea of virtue. And I think, by contrast, I think, you know, oh, the Athenians, for example, had this sort of idea of, you know, philosophy and the arts and philosophy and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's not the... And religion and all that sort of thing, you know, Greek mythology-style religion. Um, 
every culture, you know, back from the Stone Age seems to have grown up with all the, you know, whatever its ideas were, you know. And But the Romans were geniuses at um, co-opting parts of other cultures into their own culture that they admired, and that was almost holy stuff to do with Greece, you know. But Greece took ideas from down south, you know, like to the east. Greece took ideas, you know, from the great civilizations like Egypt and all that sort of stuff, but co-opted it. Uh, it doesn't mean the Greeks taught them what they knew. You know, they borrowed bits. I heard an African once saying, oh, we taught the Greeks. And, you know, and that African seemed to be a West African pretending to be an Egyptian anyway. But, you know, stuff would have come up from Africa proper, as distinct from Egypt. I, I see Egypt as its own thing, separate from Af- Africa. You know, our sort of idea of Africa. You know, Egypt is just a thing all of itself, all by itself, you know, to a large extent. Um, you know, yeah, ethnically Egyptian Egyptians, you know. Um, there, there were um, a group of... Uh, you know, what we might today call Sudanese, um, who came up and actually stole the throne of Egypt and sat on the throne. And a lot of um, what you might call black Africans hang their hat on that fact. You know, that they had a whole dynasty, maybe a two, maybe two dynasties, but a whole dynasty at least, where black Africans sat on the throne of Egypt, you know. But it didn't kind of make them Egyptian. They were Egyptian, but they weren't um, because the ethnically Egyptian people were reduced to a subclass. But they were the Egyptians, you know, the ones that were a subclass in that society um, uh, were um, were beholden to their masters, who were the black guys now, you know, because this is all a black conversation that they have in Africa, African-American society, you know. Um, and, you know, you sort of say, who are the Egyptians here? Well, to a certain extent, the ones who weren't sitting on the throne at that point in time were the Egyptians, I think, you know, um, the ethnically sort of Egyptian Egyptians, you know, um, whereas um, the, oh, I forgot what they're called, you know, but what I'll call the Sudanese came up, you know, the Upper Egypt mob <laughs> uh, came down, you know, to the north and um, and sat on the throne and became the pharaohs of Egypt for a whole dynasty at least, I think. Uh, um, and so you had this period where, you know, there were African-style um, uh, pharaohs, you know, but then there were whole long, long dynasties of, you know, what I would call non-Africans who were the Egyptian pharaohs. You know? and, and African-Americans, they, you know, they find X number of statues that uh, where pharaohs do have um, what you might call, um, yeah, the kind of typical um, Sudanese kind of look, South Sudanese maybe even I don't know, and um, you know, not big lips and all that sort of stuff. Oh, it's 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 the nose, it's the wide flat no, wide flat nose, you know, and um, and they say, look, we found a couple of statues, you know, maybe even fifty, you know. Um, this proves that the pharaohs of Egypt were, you know, looked like us with wide, flat noses, which it doesn't. It just kind of suggests that for one dynasty, the pharaohs did. You know, but the Egyptians were grumbling below, uh, you know, underneath those pharaohs. The actual Egyptians were grumbling at having been conquered and overrun and were resenting these, you know, wide, flat-nosed um, pharaohs that they had, and they're saying, you're not Egyptians. You know, the, the real Egyptians might have been saying that, you know. And um, and these African-Americans who put these memes out, because, see, I've been handed a few of those, they say, see, the pharaohs of Egypt were wide, flat-noses, and, oh, look, here's a couple that have had the noses smashed off. Aha, that's because, you know, Napoleon was angry that there's evidence of that the pharaohs... Yeah, and they're almost implying that all the pharaohs were African, you know. That's what they're implying, but it's just, you know, it's just some, you know. And the noses were smashed off. How do you know the Egyptians didn't smash those off? You know, when they when they got back on the throne and kicked the black guys out. How do you know that? You know, how do you know it was, you know, in every case, you know, look, maybe, maybe there is some evidence that some French soldiers, you know, knocked off a couple of noses, you know. 
or the nose off the sphinx or something, you know. I don't know what the evidence there is. But how do you know it wasn't the Egyptians way back in the dynasty after that dynasty when the Africans were sitting on the throne that knocked the noses off? They would have been grumpy too. In fact, they would have been more grumpy uh, than Napoleon. Napoleon probably didn't give a shit. Uh, so there you go. I may be right and I may be wrong. The point is just to um, to insert a little bit of controversy into all of that. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, it's this business, and a lot of people do it. You know, they find an example, and then they conflate it. Is that the right word? You know, and say, oh, we found some African, well, some statues in which the Egyptians look like uh, big wide flat noses. Therefore, all pharaohs were. You know, that actually settles in their mind. You know, and they just ignore the thousands of other statues <laughs> that you know where the Egyptians look like Egyptians. Yeah. But anyway, look, the Greeks and the Romans. You know, they, they, they were all. Even the Greeks were happy to take. You know. Um, ideas, you know, certain gods. Look, the Romans and the Greeks were just willing to grab a god from anywhere. It wasn't, you know, if, if someone borrows something from you, you haven't taught them everything they know. And that's what people tend to do. You know, and Africans, Americans are great at that. Um, they say, we have evidence that Africans taught, you know, that Greeks borrowed six things. You know, of the four billion things that the Greeks were famous for, we found six things that Africans exported to Greece. Ideas, you know, gods, whatever. And then they say, and then they put up a meme. Meme, we educated the Greeks. No, you didn't. The Greeks stole that from you. Look, look maybe it was friendly, whatever. Maybe the Greeks did go down there and learn something. Maybe you went up to Greece and taught them that thing, those six things. Yeah. But there's still, what did I say? Did I say four billion? There's still three billion nine hundred and ninety six thousand nine hundred ninety six other things um, that um, the Greeks can. They just. They just employed your some of your ideas. Look, it's more than that. The Africans would have contributed a lot. Look, it's a big melting pot of cultures back then. Yes, everybody contributed, but you didn't teach the Greeks. You know, you were a contributor to the overall push of humanity in the direction you know, that humanity eventually went. And you're only as good as your last game anyway. Right, now, um, so, uh, all that aside... The Romans had their own geniuses, and one of them was virtue. And I should get back to those children from the Blue Mountains. And to a certain extent, this whole episode um, is almost prompted by one um, little headline I saw in my newsfeed today. You know, uh, Blue Mountains children gutted because they can't go and see Pompeii and Rome. Now, um... And, and, you know, a teacher who was really into Rome uh, might say, well, um, children, yes, you've, you've missed out on seeing Rome, but would you like to experience Rome without going there? And a way to experience Rome is to think, hang on, let's forget about what I wanted for myself, you know, to see the remains of Rome. You know, can I find a piece of Rome in my psyche? Yeah. Uh, and think, yes, I missed out on something, but this is an opportunity for me to be glad, you know, excited to be doing something for my country. Forget about me, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I am glad to not go to Rome and Pompeii um, because by not going, I am part of... Uh, Australia's virtuous uh, efforts to contain coronavirus. You know, a teacher could try and run that line and say, that's the way the ancient Romans would have felt. They would be glad to not go to Pompeii because they want to help our country stay free of coronavirus. You know, that's the greater value. Not, I want to see, you know, Rome and Pompeii and I am missing out on something. But, oh, wow, this is fantastic. I'm doing my bit you know, in containing coronavirus. What do you think of that class? Teacher? Uh, yes, little Johnny. 
What an utter load of crap. I want to see Pompeii. Yeah, all right, I understand. <laughs> all right, I'll, 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 I've got to get into work. I will, um, I will set out the um, terms of reference for this mini-series after work today uh, on the way home. Uh, because I've got an idea what this miniseries could be about, and uh, I've just I've just um, started the miniseries off with one example where I grabbed a headline, one single headline, and then yacked about it. Yeah, and the head that particular headline was Blue Mountains children gutted because their trip to Italy was cancelled. Yeah. And then I made a whole you know, yacked about that for about half an hour. I reckon I could do that with just about any headline without even reading the contents. Um, you know, without even reading the article, just bouncing off the headline. You should read the entire article before you have an opinion on it. Well, no, <laughs> I don't want to. It's, it might be more enlightening to not worry about what the article's about and just bounce off the headline and, and forget about what it's actually about. You know, the actual, it's not about the article, it's about the headline, it's about... You know, how much can you get out of a headline? Because whatever the headline is actually about um, doesn't matter. Maybe you can get something out of what you think the headline's about. It really doesn't matter what the, he what the actual article is about. You know, what can you make of the headline and what you think it is about? You know, that's what this miniseries might be about. And we're back at the end of the working, well, couple of hours. Um, so, way back at the start of this episode, I mentioned, and this points in the direction of what this little mini-series is going to be about. Oh, way back at the start of this uh, episode, uh, I mentioned that GD and I, the GD and I, um, we're discussing the effect of exposing yourself uh, to certain types of media or anything really, you know, and wondering whether one is ro as robust as one thinks. You know, so you know, if you constantly go and look at watch violent movies, you might think you're um, you're robust against the effect that that's having on you. You know, that you can actually just watch anything and that it's not hurting you. And, you know, it's an oldie but a goodie. The idea that you're not as strong as you think you are and it's damaging you. And one way or another, you'd have to ask a psychologist how. You know, but I just had, look, when I was young, I had this slight suspicion that if I expose myself to violence, you know, I might damage myself somehow. I didn't know how, but I just guessed. You know. Who needs the nightmares? You know, maybe it was no more complex than that. Right, um, so, um, and more recently I was mentioning to my GD, um, you know, this applies to social media, you know. If you, and just the act of being on social media is exposing to yourself to something that may be causing you damage. And, um, and one example of the damage that could be happening to you that... I, I, I wondered was just seeing um, the the posts you know not actually clicking into any of the posts but just letting having hundreds and hundreds of posts uh, streaming past your eyeballs yeah. and you might think I oh, know I'm just I'm just scrolling I'm not looking at anything I'm not looking at anything I'm scrolling scrolling oh there's something interesting now what I was thinking was um, the fact that you were able to pinpoint ah there's something interesting means that you did or have processed all the other things that in your mind you're almost sort of saying I didn't see all that but you have to have seen all that and processed it fast, admittedly fast, really fast, you know. So scroll, 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 scroll. That's interesting. Bang. Now you just scrolled through 50 things and bang, you found the one that's interesting to you. Now, 
you almost might think I didn't process the other 49 because I was only interested in this one, but I reckon you had to have processed all 49, even fleetingly, and our minds are amazing, and I think they all logged themselves in your mind, yeah, and mostly, um, you know, look, with violent movies and everything, you know, if you, when you were 18, 16, and you swore yourself off those, you know, you're thinking, because I don't need the violence in my head. Yeah, but with social media, you know, you have to go through 49 stupid, inane posts to see one good one. So what I'm thinking is, it's not the violence that the issue, that is the issue here. It's the you know, exposing yourself to a stream of stupidity and inanity. Um, so f- you, know, you had to process every single one of those 49 posts um, more fully then you all, then you even realised, perhaps, perhaps, you know, maybe you actually fully processed those 49 posts and everything they entail, you know, to, oh, stupid, 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 stupid. But in order to even come, you know, to even um, have the idea they're stupid, you actually had to sort of process them and match them, you know, in the computer that is your mind, match them against, you know, what the sorts of things, you know, the log in your mind of the sorts of things that are stupid in this world. Okay. Um, Or even if it's a stupid person that you just flicked past, you know, that person has registered themselves in your mind when you should be, you shouldn't be constantly having that person's face in your face. Yeah. Now, you may think that you're ignoring that person. Um by flicking past that person's post, but you've, you've, I reckon you've processed, you know, you've thought about that person, and you might think it's fleeting, but gee, I think it logs into your computer, of that is your mind, um, that that person, you know, everything that entails that person, everything about that person has, you know, reactivated itself in your mind, and look, that's a stupid person, but a stupid post, you know, or the worst ones are the people that you previously, before um, social media came along, thought were intelligent and wise and you know reserved and all that sort of stuff and then once social media was invented you find oh my god they were stupid all along you know that's a, that's a bit hard to take uh, with someone like me it's not a problem because I was stupid all along but I'm talking about the people that you thought were intelligent and and now um, you sort of think I can't believe this is the same person you know sharing such you know sharing such stupid posts and saying such stupid things Anyway, that's the way it goes. Anyway, what I'm saying is you're exposing yourself to too much stupidity. Um, and, you know, and um, and you might think you're strong. You know, for for a brief time, I was I tried social media under a fake name and only for a joke, and never did any socialising per se. You know, I was just trying to weave some some comedy. You know. Um, I had a, a, aliases like this one, Charlie Thribbo, you know. I was trying to weave some comedy, you know, extract some comedy out of this new toy called social media, you know, when it was invented. Um, um, and uh, But even me, you know, I was, I was in there, aha, money in here for a laugh, but I was seeing all that stuff and maybe I was exposing myself to too much stupidity and it started to make my head go stupid. Yeah. Um, and think that... Um, the world was stupider than it is because I'm, I'm looking at only the people who are on social media and I'm forgetting there's a whole lot of other people that aren't posting, who are on social media and aren't posting or aren't on social media at all. Yeah. And um, yeah, I might be getting a warped idea of how mad, how nuts my fellow human being is. You know? yeah, and how bad everything in the world is. You know, How bad racism is, how bad you know, a hundred things. Um, how bad all sorts of things are, because you're not getting, you know, who, how many, how many um, conservatives there are in the world, or how many leftists there are in the world, and all that sort of. Maybe I was getting a warped idea because I'm only hearing, I'm only hearing the noisy ones, the ones who post things, and, and mostly how many stupid people there are in the world, you know, that are willing to say stupid things and put a lot of stupid content on line, the way I do. You know, I wanted to be the only gay in the village. Well, the only nut in the nut farm anyway. You know what I'm saying. Right, um, but now I'm finding I'm not alone and I don't feel so special. 
<laughs> anyway, so look, I've had this idea. Look, I got rid of the, yeah, you know, I forgot you know, years ago, years ago now. Um, I've I, um, just finished off um, playing with social media, uh, and um, uh, but I still have a news app on my phone, and you know, that's a bit of a mixture. Look, there's less stupidity there because it's pretty easy to filter, and I've filtered a lot of it. You know, I only see certain things now, you know, because every time I see something stupid, I block that sort of thing, you know. Like, you know, um, celebrity. You know, there'd be a, a, a section called celebrity, and I just block that, you know. Um, and, and all I'm left with is science and politics, and I don't mind the royal family. Yeah, but that's just me. I like I like hearing about Prince and Prince Harry and ex Prince Harry and ex Duchess, ex Duke Harry, and ex Duke Duchess, um, whatever her name is, Megan. I like all that stuff. Uh, they're my favourite soul shakers, the Royals. Now, um, so I've um, I've got a news app on my phone. I actually did delete that for a while, but I had to bring it back because people were sending me. Uh, links, um, which I couldn't open because I didn't have the app. <laughs> but now that I've got the app, look, I'm, I'm looking at it again, and I've filtered it heavily, just to politics, um, AFL, yeah, cricket, and so it's it's highly tailored to my needs. And uh, and I thought, now here, this might make for some interesting, uh, an interesting mini series for my podcast, my inane podcast. Um, I'll just. I'll just, um, I'll, I'll consider, you know, normally I'd flick through 20 news articles, a bit like people flick through 20 posts on, in social media, but I'll do that with the news media, you know, on my news media app, which is two apps, uh, BBC and Apple News, um, and I'll see what I make of each headline, but I won't go into the article, well, not normally. Yeah. Um, now, uh, the, um, the headlines may be misleading in terms of what the article's about, but I'm not reacting to what the article's about, I'm reacting to what the headline's about. You know, and if they're trying to clickbait me or mislead me or whatever, that becomes the interesting thing to discuss, not whatever the article was about. I'm not... I, you know, so I'm, I'm not clickbaited. I'm actually re- reacting to what the person wanted me to think the article was about. I'm reacting to that, which is interesting in and of itself. And uh, it remains to be seen whether something valuable pops out of that. You know, like if I could do a an episode in this mini series, which will, you know, and I'll start with the next episode. This episode was mostly about one single um, news headline I saw, which was about those kids in the Blue Mountain who were gutted that they um, had to cancel their trip to Rome. You know, so I, I did a whole half hour of chatting about that somehow. You know, and I might do that. But what I might do is, you know, normally you flick through 49 posts on social media, I, I would say, and then the, on the 50th one you spend half an hour, th- you know, talking about, thinking about whatever. So I'll do that. You know, there might be 19 news articles and I'll say, yep, stupid, funny, funny, stupid, you know, aha, uh-huh, you know, and then on the 20th, I'll say, aha, I want to chat about that one. So I'm going to try and make this episode about that, you know, and I'll say this mini-series about that, and this episode can be the first in the mini-series, because I won't actually, oh, no, I'll do a practice run right now, hang on. Okay, so it's the first thing that comes into my head as I look at things. All right, now this is just a trial run, I don't even know if it's going to work. Uh, right. Article 1. Sydney aged care worker is Australia's third locally acquired case. Okay, fair enough. That's all about coronavirus. Next one. No relief from widespread rainfall and thunderstorms for East Coast. Huh, glad I'm not on the East Coast. Next. Today's GDP figures won't tell us whether life is getting better. Here's what can well, my life's what my life is, no matter what. Super Tuesday. Oh, this is the next one. Super Tuesday. I know what Super Tuesday is. You know, this is um, you know discovering who the next uh, who is going to be Donald Trump's 
um, opponent in the next election, which is later this year, you know, November, November is it? Uh, right. And Super Tuesday, and um, I, I, I can't remember how many states, but this is one where, um, you know, we had Iowa, 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 and a few others. Um, New Hampshire, was it? I mean, you have a few that, you know, you sort of just, everyone's feeling their way. And suddenly, on Super Tuesday, each election cycle, um, suddenly, you know, I don't know how many, 20 states, 20 states all uh, vote for their delegate or whatever at once. You know, this is the just this is all on the Democrat side of things in America, uh, and the funny thing about that is even if um, even if the people you know give the nod to some person one one person or another you know let's say they want to go for Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders or whoever let's say you know Bernie Sanders wins all this stuff and wins the right to um, be the democratic the democrat candidate against Donald Trump in the next election the funny thing is i'm pretty sure that there's a thing called superdelegates you know uh, in which the the democrat party you know which is not constituted you know uh, can just say no we don't agree with the people on that <laughs> we're just going to we're going to go with joe biden anyway you you wasted all your time voting people and i think that happened to I think that happened to Bernie Sanders last time against Hillary Clinton. I think Bernie Sanders won or something. And, um, you know, according to, you know, who the people should, the people thought should go up against Donald Trump and uh, and the superdelegate system, whatever that is, you know, I sort of know, but, uh, you know, only half know, um, the superdelegate system, you know, was such that the Democrat Party itself said, nah, nah, the people have got this one wrong. Uh, we're going to override that and and install Hillary. Hillary Hillary will go well. <laughs> All right. So Super Tuesday's on at the moment, and you know, um, let's see if the people uh, the people pick who the Democrats want the people to pick, and if they don't, the Democrats will override it democracy in action, you know, and and they even call themselves the Democrats, it's just fantastic, I love politics, right, Super Tuesday, Joe Biden marks strong showing with wins in America's South, uh, he's, he's got good traction with African Americans, you know, because he's been loyal to Obama all along, all right, now that's that, all right, Joe Biden, you know what, I'm going to call it early, I think Joe Biden will end up Donald Trump's opponent, yeah, and I, because I think even if Bernie Sanders got up in in um, all these, you know, um, you know these um, the people's polling. No, sorry, the people voting for who their delegates should be on the Democrat side. Think I think if Bernie Sanders got up, I think they'd override him and put Joe Biden in anyway. Uh, the women have been knocked out already, by the way. Hillary has set the cause of women back a long way, I think. Um, the women got knocked out early. I think uh, the Democrats and the people of America, I think they recognise that Donald Trump knows how to make mincemeat out of women. I'm not being sexist in saying that, but I think um, a woman uh, can't go up against Donald Trump's form of woman bashing you know? and whether that's right or wrong I think a woman would lose no matter what against Donald Trump yeah. I think they'll hold Michelle Obama back and don't put her in this time put her in next time when there's no Donald Trump there well maybe there will be a Donald Trump there by then and he'll be the king <laughs> for his third term Julius Caesar style right let's go uh, that was the next headline um, the next one, the Australian, the true cost of not supporting small business. Well, I won't be reading that because that's behind a paywall. And when I went in there, when I go in there and try and block the Australian, uh, because I've tried to block Australia, the Australian before, you can't. I don't know why that is. Are they in cahoots with Apple News? So, that, you know, have they made themselves unblockable? I don't like that. That's not very democratic. Right, next. Man drives off bridge 10 minutes after getting licensed. Okay, that's funny. Next. 
Princess Anne kidnap attempt. Boxer who intervened, selling medal to pay for funeral. Oh, wonder if it's his own. Moving on. Property boom. Lakemba scoops title as Australia's best performing suburb over the past decade. Lovely. Next. Al Jazeera. Italy death toll jumps as global outbreak deepens. Live updates. You can follow coronavirus live. It's very exciting, coronavirus. I may be killed and so might all my family. Okay. Um, and by the way, this this is a bit of a this becomes a bit of a journal, doesn't it, of the times? If you're listening to this in twenty years, this is what's happening roughly in two thousand and twenty on March the whatever it is, right? ABC News. It's a dog eat dog world in politics. So could a pooch help voters pick the next U.S. president? I love that. Yeah, <laughs> they got a dog going to going to um. Uh, going to be the predictor. Yeah, I, I seem to remember something like this. I think it was a pig. I think there was a famous pig who was picking the winner all the time. You know, for years and years. Was it a pig or something else? Maybe it was a pangolin, you know. But there was an animal they had who was reliably picking the winner of every presidential election. And it was freaking people out. But I think there were a lot of such animals... You know, people do get these animals each time in. And let's say you've got 100 different animals. One of them is going to get them all right just by, you know. And um, and then what you do is you, you don't report on the 99 that got it wrong and you report on the one that got it right. And, um, and, and the people go, ooh, ah. And the reason for that is because they're plebs. <laughs> they don't realise that, that just happened to be the one that got it right. You could have flipped the coin. All right, next. Well, it is flipping a coin, you know, when you get a dog (laughs) to pick the next president. It's just a bit of fun. I love it. I don't know why it's on um, the ABC News, though. They should be a bit higher. uh, You know, they should be a bit more highfalutin than that. We're paying them to not waste our time. That's supposed to be just on social media, that one. I don't know what it's doing on the ABC. Right. Daily Mail. I think that... I think that's not far off social media, the Daily Mail. Elderly commuter boots Chinese man off his seat to rest her feet. Yeah, well, you know, you're always going to find... You're always going to find something like that. You know, that doesn't necessarily... You know, individual sort of horrendous situations, you're just supposed to look at that and go, yeah, yeah, well, I don't know if that's indicative of the way society's going or anything, but all right, you know. Elderly commuter boots Chinese man off his seat to rest her feet. You know, that's just social media, you know, style. It's in the media, but it's like social media. Um, it doesn't tell us anything about the way the world's going, really. Elderly commuter. Well, it's an elderly guy anyway. Oh, yes, that might appeal to young people. Yes, what's the Daily Mail up to there? Elderly commuter boots Chinese man. Oh, yes, if you're not, yes, that could sell newspapers to 18-year-olds. Older people, they're so racist, you know. Right, next, CNN. Iran coronavirus cases soar past 2,300. I'm not sure. I think they might have been under-reporting Iran. Yeah, because they um, there was... Um, we think the death toll from this coronavirus, novel coronavirus, COVID-19, uh, is about, what, 3% or 2% or something? And... Um, Iran, you know, was had reported its first 100 cases and already had 10 deaths, you know. So um, that's 10%, you know, which means they were probably under-reporting the number of uh, cases, you know. If, they, if they're getting a 10% death rate, then the number of cases they're reporting is probably uh, artificially low. Right, anyway, corona reported coronaviruses, cases soar past 2,300. Well, that might be 6,300, right. No, the world's going to get the world's catching coronavirus. You know, we're all in a lot of trouble. Queensland man sets himself on fire during chase. It's Channel Nine. Okay, that, that makes a statement. Next, man who tested positive for coronavirus visited supermarket before self-isolating. Authorities say, "Wow, that's a big one." He went to a supermarket. He was told to go home and self-isolate, and he went to a supermarket. Uh, click in there. 
A man who tested positive for coronavirus after arriving in Tasmania from Iran left the hospital to enter self-isolation at home until the results came in, but visited a city supermarket to stock up on the way, authorities say. The man did not follow the instructions given to him to self-isolate to self-isolate before his coronavirus tests results came in, authorities said. People who were at the Launceston City Woolworths on Sunday night are being asked to report if they feel ill. I'll make that my last headline because that's an interesting one. I finally found an interesting one. Um, That's interesting. Okay. Um, Number one, um, you can, well, they might, you know, if people start to drop dead in Launceston over the next few weeks, um, that's murder, isn't it? I don't think it's even manslaughter. That's murder, you know. Right. Now, um, and he may be lynched. Maybe the people of Launceston aren't as civilised as we think they are. Uh, What else can I make of that? And also, this, you know, this is the sort of um, behaviour that might, you know, encourage our government to start being heavy-handed when they find someone... Uh, who is suspected of having coronavirus, maybe they'll just lock them up. Chuck them in the divvy van in the hazmat suits and uh, and arrest them, essentially. Arrest them. You know? Oh, that is, um, that is against our civil liberties. Ah, our civil liberties are contingent. You know, they're conditional, sorry. They're conditional on um, things being okay. Uh, that's interesting. You know, we don't... We don't really have civil liberties. We have, we have as many civil liberties as we can afford at any given moment in time. And, um, yeah, you could all be chucked in a leper colony tomorrow if the government decides that's the way to go, you know, if, if there are more cases like this. Um, now, Australia, we've been um, pulling the trigger on being risk-averse on this coronavirus. I think we've been pulling the trigger harder than most other countries or all other countries. For a start, I think we were the first people to declare the coronavirus as an effective pandemic. I don't think even... Well, the World Health Organisation hasn't even pulled that trigger. Um, and, and, um, and just recently, um, the people of Australia have been advised that we do have biosecurity laws which were put in place for animal species um, being isolated by force or kept away. Um, And there's nothing in the wording of those biosecurity laws uh, that says we can't apply that to humans as well. You may be locked up tomorrow, or I may be, um, under biosecurity legislation, which was originally designed for animals. So we are animals after all. Okay, that'll do. I've got to start. This is how I think I can make this um, mini-series go. Just by reading out headlines. 19 headlines make nothing of them. And then the 20th make something of it. End of first episode in this mini-series.